All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. Hey, New Tech City listener. If you're looking for a new podcast, try Here's the Thing, hosted by Alec Baldwin. Deep interviews with A-list celebrities like Jerry Seinfeld, Ira Glass, questions you would totally not expect. Here's the Thing. Get it on the WNYC app or wherever you get your podcasts. From WNYC, this is New Tech City, where digital gets personal. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. And last week I broke the news that this podcast won't be called New Tech City for that much longer. We are on the hunt for a new name, something that really fits what we've been doing here, figuring out how to think and live better online and in real life. Hundreds of listeners have had some great ideas for new names. More about what you've told us later in the show. Now, let's get down to business. I'm someone who likes video games. I'm not very girly. I kind of reject girliness. Like, that's just not my thing. I I won't do it. On this episode, video games and gender. But not like you'd expect. I'm going to take you through how imaginary worlds online can be a healthy place for a very vulnerable and overlooked subset of young people. I want to start with Rachel. Are you Rachel? Yes. Nice, nice to nice meet, meet you. you. How are you? I'm good. I'm so, I apologize. Hey. I'm late. Oh, God. No, I no. met Rachel when she was assigned to be my guide during a visit to Robert Morris University in Chicago a few months back. Do you have, like, a guest pass or anything? No. Do I need one? I guess not. We'll, we'll wing it. All right. <laughs> I had gone to spend the day with the country's first varsity esports team. These are a couple dozen students who are on gaming scholarships, you know, just like the football or the baseball team, except they compete in a video game. This one's called League of Legends. It's crazy, right? I did a whole show on the team. You can scroll back in your podcast feed or just go to the web post for this episode at newtechcity.org for a link to it. Anyway, Rachel. She's small and pale, which I guess isn't surprising since she's basically paid to play video games about eight hours a day. But her story was not at all what I expected. Rachel explained things were tough for her very early on in childhood. At first, it was just not fitting in. So I get picked on by a lot of girls. If everyone wants to play Magic Fairy Princess, I'm like, I'll be the dog because that means that I don't have to play as a Magic Fairy Princess because that just wasn't my thing. I so remember the girl at my school who always was the dog. Anyway, as a kid... Rachel really wanted to hang with the boys and dress like them, too. I'm not a typical girl. I'm not, like, the... I'm, I'm not, not a feminine girl. I had to wear a dress for one of my cousin's weddings before, and I was just like, oh, because I'd rather be in men's attire, I suppose. 
She grew up in Woodstock, a small rural town north of Chicago. It happens to be the place where one of my favorite movies, Groundhog Day, was filmed. And that might give you a sense of just how ordinary it is and how being different could be a problem for Rachel. I got bullied a lot. My next door neighbors would like invite me over to play and then the neighbors from around the corner would come over and then they'd be like, go home, Rachel. And they'd push me and put, put me on the ground. Elementary school, middle school, they were kind of nightmares. Her self-esteem plummeted. Early on, Rachel turned to games for comfort. So I'd, you know, make a monster in Pokemon and uh, like I'd give it a name and that was my friend. That was the character that I had created. High school was even worse. But then, around age 15, 16, she discovered online video games. First, World of Warcraft, then League of Legends. Games that you play on the internet, where players see the same thing that's happening on screen, wherever they are, and they talk to each other through headsets, you know, cheering each other on as they chop up witches or orcs or whatever. Every night, Rachel would get online and play. And eventually, she joined a team, all guys, with players from all over. A pair of brothers in Canada. And JP lives in Florida, Akko lives in California. At first, it was a little weird having a girl on the team. But Rachel was a good player. She was disciplined, hardworking. And after a while, her teammates kind of forgot that she was a girl. And they kept referring to Rachel as he. And that was fine by Rachel. And I'm like, you know, it's okay, guys, if you want to call me he. That's okay. You can absolutely do that. Rachel felt at ease, relaxed. No one wanted her to be a fairy princess. They just liked Rachel for Rachel. Or should I say, Razor. My gamer tag is Razor. R-A-Z-U-R, Razor. Rachel's dad had nicknamed her that as a baby. And now it felt right to use that name all the time. These were people that wanted to consistently play with me, so we became great friends. And then one day, when the whole gang was dialed into the team speak, that's gamer talk, for basically a conference call while they're playing, Razor, she announces that there's something on her mind. I'm like, all right, so I was playing with the idea that maybe I was transgender because uh, I don't like girly things. And do you think they felt comfortable with you talking about the transgender thing? Or do you think they were like, whoa, like, we don't want to talk about this stuff. We want to talk about League of Legends and, it, like, it, kicking butt. It turns they, – they were very open to it, especially Akko, who went ahead and mentioned that, like, he gets it too. And he's like, you know, I'm a very feminine man. I'm okay with that. And I went, okay. And he's like, what stops you from just being a masculine woman? And I went, I, I – you're absolutely right. What does stop me from being a masculine woman? And since then, I'm I'm a masculine woman. That's cool. Woman. It's yeah. I mean, I have to say, like when I figured I was going to be talking about video games, I didn't think that the conversation would get quite as interesting as this. Though, like, really, not just about video games at all. About exploring yourself. Yeah. I haven't even looked at it like that, but that's kind of the the way that life has pushed me to, like, just find out who I am. Maybe I'm special. <laughs> After feeling alone and unaccepted as a young kid, 
Razor found her community in gaming. She had a place where she was able to share her most vulnerable, intimate feelings, her fears, her desires. And she got to explore who she is with these other people from across the globe. And they accepted her. And the story made me wonder, was Razor special or does this happen all the time? I decided to ask an expert. I'm Colleen Macklin. I'm a game designer and a professor at Parsons School of Design. We sat and talked gaming and gender, and I told her Razor's story and how video games played this amazing role in her getting comfortable with herself. It makes a lot of sense to me for a few different reasons, actually. I need you to explain, because when I've mentioned this to people, you know, people who don't play games... They're like, well, wasn't there this thing called Gamergate where, like, uh, you know, they're totally anti-women? What are you talking about being accepting? How do you see it? Gamergate is a, is a hate campaign, I would say. It's, I mean, it's definitely a group of people who have uh, felt as if their community has been infiltrated by all these women making games and different kinds of people making games and I think actually what's happened is that games are more of a part of our culture. I'm a middle-aged woman, you know, and I play video games and I've grown up playing them and I make them. And I think part of that maturation of players and designers is really realizing that you're not the center of the universe, that there's a lot of different voices out there. There's a lot. There definitely are new voices making new kinds of games to attract different audiences. But what I found so interesting about Razor is that she was finding herself in a very mainstream game. League of Legends is a shoot 'em up fantasy multiplayer game, but it also has dozens of characters, male female, and lots of variations in between. She found her place there because there was lots to choose from, and it turns out she wasn't the only one. I just want to read you, there was a um, a couple quotes from, I was just hanging out in some chat rooms and reading what people had written, and I'm going to read you a couple of them. Here's one that I read on a blog. Long before I came out in real life, I came out in a game and was able to start building a support network. This may not sound like a big deal to many, but at an important stage in my life, it was serious business. Mm -hmm. And then I happened to, like, click over to another window, and I read that more than 50% of transgender youth will have had at least one suicide attempt by their 20th birthday. Yeah. It's pretty frightening. Yeah, it really is. You know, I had... My own experiences growing up presenting myself in a masculine way and what comes with that and the kind of bullying and uh, ridicule you find yourself subject to. And I do think that, you know, when you're young, these things are huge. You know, they're life-changing. And if you can go into a space like a game, an online game, and you can perform who you really feel like you are... In a game, you can, you can try things out, and it's safe. It's okay. Okay, in a minute, more of an explanation of how video games actually got more broad-minded and how exactly it is that they can be a safe space to explore yourself despite all the Gamergate talk. And we'll meet a gamer who also found identity online and made a real-life change. All of my experimenting with different genders in games, yeah, were certainly helpful for me in sort of figuring out, okay, what are the possibilities in the real world? Plus, at the end of the show, a status update on our plan to change the name of this podcast. We'll be right back. 
This week's podcast recommendation, it's Here's the Thing, intimate, honest conversations hosted by Alec Baldwin. Alec, because we work at the same station, I get to call him that by his first name. He talks to artists, policymakers, performers, basically whatever is tickling his brain. And he gets them to say things that are absolutely fascinating. Here's the thing. Find it on the WNYC app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and we're talking about the link between the trans community and video games. And one person who can really talk more specifically about this relationship and the importance of role-playing in finding a real-life identity is game designer Naomi Clark. She also teaches at NYU's Game Center. She started with a fascinating little history lesson. Maybe you gamers listening knew all this, but I sure didn't. Well, games have had this property for a long time, maybe going all the way back to the 70s uh, when the first role-playing games were created, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, the one that everyone's really familiar with. That was one of the first times in games that people were designing and playing uh, where they had this idea that you would create a character, an alter ego for yourself, you know, that you might be a warrior or a wizard in those games, right? Uh, And at the very beginning, the characters that the players took on were people very similar to themselves, kind of like as if they were being cast in a play in a traditional way. But as time went like on... Like they look the part, therefore... Yeah, just... you're like, oh, okay, you know, you're you're big and tall. Maybe we'll have you be the warrior or like that's the kind of character that you are. Or they would even have a character that would just be called Bob. Um, <laughs> but Bob would uh, play the game and rise to be Bob, the you know, the Duke of the land or something like that. Okay. But over time, they discovered pretty quickly that just like kids playing cops and robbers, there was, uh, there was something nice about being able to step out of your own skin and play as someone very different than you, perhaps, right? And so at some point, I think it's lost in the the mists of 20th century game history, someone decided, oh, you know, what if I play someone who's a different gender than me? Uh, you know, what if a girl plays a, a, a male character or vice versa? And that that became something that's been part and parcel of a lot of games ever since then. And with so many young people coming into esports, you're actually seeing more and more trans gamers coming to prominence Mm. in that arena, right? So one of the most famous and well-known players of StarCraft, another eSport, is a girl named Scarlett Sasha Hostein, and she's a a trans player. And is it too big an assumption to make to say, like, well, because games are fantasy or potentially a place to explore identity, that's why they attract transgender people? I think if you look at people making games... There are a lot of trans people. There are a lot of queer people. And I don't think there's been any real, you know, studies of this. I have actually looked for the research, and Mm -hmm. there's things that kind of touch on it, but not exactly that. So I think that would be incredibly interesting to see. Yeah, and I think it's it's something that I really hope does get some attention at some point, too. Since it's not something that's that's talked about a whole lot, I think it's been incredibly important for a lot of queer people, a lot of trans people— who are in areas where they they can't necessarily meet up with a local community or find people of their own age with their own interests who also are dealing with the same types of discrimination, oppression, or struggles with identity that they might be going through. Now, I have a confession to make to you, Naomi. I um, watched this documentary about um, gaming and the LGBTQ community, and I didn't, and you were in it, Mm -hmm. interviewed a lot, lots of clips from you. So I knew you were a good talker, 
Um, but I did not know that you were trans. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you talk about that as part of being a game designer, or is that just a side thing? Or You know, having transitioned, I don't even know, like dozens of years ago now, it's definitely affected the course of my life. But yeah, when I think about it, I'm sure that all of my experimenting with different genders in games, especially online games when I was growing up, yeah, were certainly helpful for me in sort of figuring out, okay, what are the possibilities in the real world? Could you think of maybe an example of a place that you felt very comfortable online or in a game that maybe was helpful to you? Um, one of my favorites is a game called Terraria, which is a it's a, more of a two-dimensional version of Minecraft. I had a period of time a few years ago where I was feeling really low in general. I was kind of depressed. And I spent a lot of time just sort of building a little city for characters in that world. And I think that was something that helped me get back up on my feet and figure out what was important to me in the rest of life and think, okay, you know, if I can put a lot of time into doing this into a game as a form of art therapy, you could say, right? Yeah, because, I mean, as a parent and just as someone, you know, living in 2015, we're being told that games like Minecraft have lots of things that they do for you, right? Like spatially, it works on your brain and creatively coming up with things to build. But it had never occurred to me that a game like Minecraft could have a therapeutic component. That's something new to me. Yeah, to me, I, I think that's one of the, the most important and valuable things about games, whether you're just walking around or you're making an important decision about what to say to another character in that space that uh, allows you to sort of see part of your own mind, like examine your own decision-making process. Mm-hmm. Naomi Clark, thank you so much for sharing your story and explaining this. My pleasure, and thank you for having me on. checked back in recently with Rachel, that young video game varsity player at Robert Morris University in Chicago, the one who goes by the name Razor. And she had some updates for me. She told me that the team roster has changed pretty dramatically since I went to visit. She's feeling more confident than ever. She's even taking on leadership roles and says that she's been mentoring some less experienced players lately. As for the more personal stuff, she wrote me, I'm just going to read it to you. She says... I still feel unsure about whether or not I'd like to transition in the future, but that's okay. I'm really happy and comfortable being who I am right now. I want to work toward better representing women in video games, and I know I don't need to be girly to do that. I need to be the best at who I am, and that path should lay itself. She's also still in touch with her gaming buddies all over the world. And even to this day, I'll share, like, things that are going on in my life and issues that I'm having because uh, they're real people and they do care about me. And we talk about stuff that happens in their life, too, as well. I hope you enjoyed this little slice of the good side of gaming and living online. Thanks so much to Razor, Naomi, and Colleen for sharing their personal stories and their expertise this week. And now... A little update on our plan to rename New Tech City. If you listened last week, you heard about our journey from starting out as a little news update on tech in New York City, how we became a more personal look and a full-length podcast on living purposefully in the digital age. So we asked you listeners to take a little survey and to come up with a new name for this podcast. 
And the award for the worst listener suggestion so far has to go to New Yorker Dan Fagan. Dan suggested inspect her gadget with Manoush. <laughs> yeah, Dan, that's just totally weird. Okay, so then we had a suggestion from a listener in Los Angeles, pain in the tech. Um, I get your sentiment. Not quite right, I think. Um, another listener in California wrote, the humans are dead. Um, so, like, it's like maybe, I don't know. I don't think it's quite right for us. But we're getting there. And in June, we're going to have our big reveal, the one that fits best. So take the time right now to go to newtechcity.org. While you're there, take the survey so you get your say about what and how we'll be doing future shows And a very special challenge to those of you who have really gotten into this whole new naming thing. You know who you are. You're the ones who submitted lots and lots of new names. I want to see, can you come up with names that don't use the words tech or digital? Because I have a theory that those words intimidate some people. People who might actually love being part of our little party here. But if we say tech or digital, they think, oh, well, I'm not a techie. I don't want to listen to that podcast. And we know that, like, it's totally not about that, right? Okay. So give it a go. New Tech City at WNYC.org or just go to NewTechCity.org. Okay. And thank you. I'm Anoush Samarodi. This is New Tech City for now. And thank you for listening. See, what is interesting, though, about League of Legends is, first of all, I just like to say that I never thought I would start a sentence with that phrase. So there's that.